Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. You're going to get one hour of the Kyle Bailey Show after this. Then it's Hornets pregame with the Hornets taking on Minnesota. Tip at 5 p.m., so a little bit earlier than normal over at the Spectrum Center. Again, 5 p.m., Kyle Bailey will have you covered with the pregame, and he'll have you covered with his own show for an hour. 704-570-9610. That's the Garage Door Guru text line. Let's talk about some ACC football. Have a game tonight that matters quite a bit in the ACC. Have a couple, by the way. we got a couple Friday matchups. North Carolina hosting NC State. Kickoff is going to be at 3.30. And Florida State going to be hosting Florida at 7.30 tonight. How weird are the floor, uh, are the Friday kickoffs for you, Wes? Well, the NC State Carolina, I've, I've grown accustomed to that. But right. the Florida State-Florida, to me, has always been a Saturday game. So that's going to be a little weird seeing them play on a Friday night. Uh, that's a little change that they've made to their rivalry. But, hey, at the end of the day, it's football. And any day <laughs> there's football on with teams that – I recognize or, you know, good power five football on a Friday. I am here for it, no matter who it is. How weird is it for you, Fiddy? I know you get used to the North Carolina matchup probably, but with Florida State and even with North Carolina playing on Friday, do you like that? Do you like it being different? Or would you rather see it on Saturday like most year or most weeks of the year? I don't complain because it's helped bring some recognition nationally to Carolina and NC State. Some of these games the last couple of years have been fantastic. I am with West, though. It will be weird seeing Florida and Florida State on a Friday. Although I feel like they played on a Friday when Tebow was there one time, but I might be mistaken. But for a rivalry like NC State, Carolina, that Friday time slot helps them be in front of a national audience. Yeah, I agree. I am uh, excited for it tonight. I know it might be weird, but it doesn't matter to me. I'm just happy to get some of these games. Now, if you look at North Carolina, we saw that Drake May probably had his worst game of the college football season. And North Carolina lost. We know they still had a shot, but that's because Georgia Tech's not a very good football team. We know that Josh Downs dropped what was an on-target pass from Drake May. I think North Carolina is extremely reliant on Drake May. I also don't know how much of a problem that is for the heels because he's just that good. Mm -hmm. I don't mind that they're too reliant because that's what a lot of college football teams are going to do if you have a great quarterback. This is also not Ohio State that is going to recruit a ton of fantastic defensive players and then just turn out top recruits year in and year out at that level. Same thing with Alabama. There are a lot of teams at that level that can compete at a crazy high level with the other programs that might not be too reliant on their quarterback. North Carolina is not that team. It was always, in my opinion, going to take a very good QB to reach the heights of flirting with the college football playoff appearance, which they were going to for a little while. And then I think the loss to Georgia Tech took them out. Do you think North Carolina is too reliant? And if they are on Drake May, do you think it matters all that much when you evaluate the heels? Yeah, I think it does, because I think that when you talk about, especially from a running aspect, him being the team's leading rusher, they average 4.5 yards a carry as a team. But they have backs that are more than capable of running the ball. When you look at Omarion Hampton averaging 4.7 a carry, Elijah Green averaging 5.2 a carry, 
Each of these guys has 13 touchdowns combined. So I think that they have backs, and even the guy behind them, Caleb Hood, is averaging 5.8 a carry. So sometimes I do think they get a little pass happy uh, as far as, you know, they could let the running backs do a little bit more and carry a little bit more of the workload because coming into next season, you know, you don't want Drake May being your leading rusher every game. It puts him at too much of a risk for injury. He does a decent job of protecting himself, but I do think that if you want to get to that next level, which a lot of people – Carolina's going to be a hot team next year because of Drake Me. They're going to come into next season probably preseason top 15, I would imagine. So you're going to want to have some balance when you play against teams that, uh, you know, come out and maybe do a good job early in games of giving Drake May some looks maybe he hasn't seen, slowing him down a bit. So I think for Carolina to add more balance is going to always be beneficial. What do you think is going to happen in tonight's game? Some of the keys you're looking at with North Carolina and NC State. And I, I imagine, look, for me, I just don't expect North Carolina to blow anybody out. They just haven't done it. Mm-hmm. Georgia Tech, that was the team you could do it against. Even Virginia. I go back a couple of weeks and I brought that Cavaliers matchup saying, okay, this could be the game against Georgia Tech that should have happened against the Cavaliers. You lived to tell about it against Virginia. You did not against GT. And now here you are following or falling down in the standings and even if you probably weren't going to make the playoff anyway, now you're definitely not with that loss. Style points matter. North Carolina never had the style points because they would just be winning by a field goal here and there against these other ACC opponents. So against NC State, even with them reeling without Devin Leary and even with the offense not being great with him under center at the beginning of the season too, how close do you expect this game to be and who eventually do you think comes out on top? Uh, I think Carolina wins a close game, but we've seen all year NC State's defense has kept them in every game. Listen, I got a few you know numbers for you because I dropped a five things you need to know before this game video on the ACCDN on all platforms. But listen, the Pack, they love close games. They've had four games decided by two points or less this season, and the scoring margin in their nine games against FBS opponents have been uh, 7.3 points. And that's because, you know, the Pack's offense has not been spectacular this season. When you look at them, uh, they only average 25 points per game, uh, but their scoring defense is second in the ACC. And this defense is for real. We saw them get my Demon Deeks problems with just the constant blitzing. Uh, you know, every team that they play, they've kept them in these games. I expect more of the same today because, you know, their linebackers, uh, Georgia Tech was very disruptive as far as getting back then and really disrupting what Drake May wanted to do. Uh, They have three of the top six leaders in the ACC in tackles for loss with Drake Thomas, uh, Isaiah Moore, and Peyton Wilson, all of their linebackers, including a leader in that category in Drake Thomas. So I expect this to be a dogfight. It's a rivalry game. On top of that, NC State would love nothing more than to right the wrongs of their season uh, by spoiling it, so to speak, for UNC by just knocking them out of the pole. Um, so yeah, but I do expect Drake May to bounce back. He will not be touchdown list this week. So I expect them to win a close game. I think it will be because NC State's quarterback play is just not going to be there, uh, which could potentially have blowout potential, but I think NC State's defense keep a minute. I think it'll be Carolina win probably somewhere in the lines of 31, 20, 31, 24, something like that, which would be a larger margin of victory for the heels compared to some of the other victories that they had against NC State. I think State's quarterback play is just going to be so bad. Right. It's going to be hard. I expect North Carolina to win this game. We know that they can certainly let heels fans down, but I expect Drake May to find his footing once again, even if it is against a good 
Wolfpack defense. Do you expect that very same result, Fiddy? Do you expect Drake May to bounce back after his worst performance of the season against Georgia Tech? Yeah, they. I mean, they, they have to. If, if we want to have any confidence or belief that you can go compete with Clemson next Saturday night for an ACC championship, I said it last week, this was a program that was distracted. They were caught up in pushing for Drake May to be a Heisman candidate. They were caught up in maybe finding their pathway inside the college football playoff. That led them to have the ultimate letdown at home against a team they were 21 points favored to beat. You build a 17 nothing lead and you quit playing. Well, now the shine's off. Now now you got to go back out there and kind of reprove yourself to, to a lot of the national media ahead of their conference title game next week. I think you're going to see a motivated Carolina team, but State's going to come ready to play because this salvages their season. They go into Keenan. They beat Carolina. They get to 8-4 and four on the year. That salvages what's been a lost season for a team that was preseason ranked in the top 15. So I expect Carolina to bounce back and win today. I actually think it's going to be easy. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. I expect North Carolina to win too. But of course, again, they've given us no reason as to why they are going to blow out any team this year. The defense is going to allow the opposition to score some points. And sometimes North Carolina just doesn't have their foot on the gas right out of the gate offensively. We've seen, I think, quite a few performances this year from Carolina's offense where it's really the second half that they start to put points on the board. And the first half they come out a little sluggish it was crazy because that did not happen against georgia tech against the yellow jackets they came out out of the gate scoring very heavily so they had the 80 yard rush on the first play of the game so i wonder if it's actually been a blessing in disguise for the heels this entire season that they'd come out sluggish in the first half and then in the second half drake may had to turn it on so they would eventually win those games it was the complete opposite result all across the board Starts off hot first half, ends up losing the game. Very different from what we had seen from that North Carolina team. Let's go to basketball. Okay. Let's talk about North Carolina. All right. Fiddy, want to bring you in and your disappointment from the heels against Portland. This is your bag, man. Heel tough blog. Not a ton of confidence in North Carolina being the best team in the country right now. They're just not playing like it. I got to see this game as well. A little Thanksgiving Day action for heels fans. This thing was close. I thought Caleb Love, once he hit that third three-pointer, I thought that was going to be the momentum they needed. Portland hung around, and eventually Leaky Black hits a big shot down the stretch. Heels win, but it felt like kind of a loss against Portland, even if even if North Carolina is moving on in this Phil Knight invitation. That's how four of the five wins have felt so far this season. Only James Madison did we come away feeling good about the way Carolina played. It's very clear this team isn't prepared for the burden of other people's expectations. And, and and somehow they've got to find a way to block out that noise and, and, and try to just become the best basketball team they can be. Uh, Pete Nance showed up yesterday after I ripped him on Twitter, 20 points in the second half, a Tar Heel <laughs> best 28. Caleb of his best individual game so far this season. But this was a team that made zero adjustments to the way Portland screened them. And it was basically they either pinned down, screened them on the block, or they elevator screened them at the at the free throw line, giving their 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 shooters wide open looks from behind the three point line. And it was just look after look after look, and that's why they found themselves in a shootout against a team that has much improved in Portland, 
but had lost to the likes of Kent State early on in the season. Well, and Armando Baycott, the turnovers are a real problem for him, had four in this game, and that's not great when you're a big man and you're not bringing the ball up the floor, so there's not a ton of opportunities for you to turn it over. There were some times, even a couple of games ago, they were trying to run a high-low game, and he just makes an ill-advised pass. Armando Baycott, to me, against James Madison was awesome. You know, gobbling up every single rebound that was available. That was the dominant type performance you wanted to see from Baycott coming in. And I just feel like offensively taking the least amount of shots of any starter in this Carolina offense, even with there being some talent all across the board, I look at Baycott as someone I'd like to see step it up a little bit more offensively, but this is not a team that looks like it's the best in the country here, Wes. What do you make of the Tar Heels as they start their season off? Well, one thing that was glaring was the bench points. I mean, Portland outscores them 25-3 to uh, on the bench, and you want to see some of these guys I talked about before, some of these recruits starting to uh, show up and play well. I mean, you had guys... You know, Seth Trimble plays five minutes, zero points. You had, uh, you know, my man uh, DeMarco Dunn, I mean, three points. Just not enough production. You know what I'm saying? Johnson, Puff Johnson comes in, zero points on the board. So they need to add some depth as well because it's looking like right now they're just going to rely on the big three. And then hopefully Pete Nance continues to play the way that he's been playing. But I don't know if that's going to be the depth that they need going down the stretch, especially when you get into the tournament and guys playing heavy minutes night in, night out, if that's going to catch up uh, with them in the long run. Because we saw Baycott in the tournament last year, sprained the ankle. You know, he's down there battling and, and, and you know, playing that tough style of basketball, man. And that could wear on him if he's having to play a lot of minutes. You see Caleb Love play 38 minutes. Pete Nance played 35, Baycott played 34. So, you know, Leaky Black, all those guys were up over the 30-minute mark. And so they're going to have to find some depth, I think, is one of the big things you take away as well. One of the bigger differences in North Carolina under Hubert Davis compared to Roy Williams, and I know Hubert had been kind of going to the bench here at the beginning parts, but that's what Roy would do all the time. It didn't matter if the bench players weren't playing that well. Roy was always planning for the second half of the season. He was always planning for ACC tourney time and NCAA tourney time, and those guys would be ready a lot. There, That's why you would see some of these awesome Tar Heel teams with Tyler Hansborough and Danny Green and then you go back even to the Roy Williams uh, or excuse me the Ray Felton and Sean May era they would lose to Santa Clara at the beginning you would have the 0-2 start to the ACC schedule and then eventually they'd go win the championship it's because they would play some of these bench guys to get ready for the Mm -hmm. end of the season Hubert while he was trying to do that at the beginning, Hubert also leans very heavily on his starters, and he's playing them a lot of minutes, and those are your best players. So understandable. You have to wonder if that's going to hurt them at some point. It didn't last year in their NCAA tournament run. They were able to make that run, and I know Puff Johnson kind of came off the bench and really gave them some big minutes. But does that happen again this year for them where you can rely on maybe Puff, but also a couple of other guys? Last thing you mentioned, Pete Nance. That was somebody I had been talking about wanting to see a lot more from been giving it to you. I offensively looks like he'll be just fine. Not mm-hmm. Brady Manic, but I totally, totally trust him hitting shots, and I do think he's going to fit just fine with this offense. Maybe we can finish some of um, some of the other ACC storylines as we look at UNC NC State tonight. We can also look at Duke's game against Oregon State, where they were able to survive. I know you're not high on the Blue Devils this year, so we'll get to all of that with two more segments to go on the Wes and Walker Show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
Just a couple more segments to go on Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. About to hand it off to the Kyle Bailey Show for an hour. Then Hornets pregame coverage coming at at you in just a little bit. Tip at 5 o'clock. The thing about the holiday schedule, all the sports things are on a weird type of schedule. So, again, 5 p.m. That will be when the Charlotte Hornets air right here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Let's talk about the Charlotte Hornets where they will take on the Minnesota Timberwolves tonight. Hornets did get a win against Philadelphia. They were favored in this game by four and a half. Hornets were down for a while starting off. They were down. Did they get down like 12, something like that in the first quarter? I know they were down somewhat big to start, but they would eventually win 107 to 101. They moved to five and 14 on the season. You and I had the question, Wes, on when the Charlotte Hornets would get a victory again. We both thought Philly was the time because they did not have Joel Embiid in this Mm -hmm. game. They also didn't have James Harden. They did not have Tyrese Maxey. Tobias Harris had been someone that had been injured before. He does come back in, play 37 minutes in this one, scores 19 points. You had Milton and Melton for Philadelphia score 20 points apiece. But really, this came down to Terry Rozier finding his footing a little better, getting into the lane and scoring nine of thir- uh, excuse me, nine of 18 from the field, 22 points for him. Nick Richards had a double-double, 13 and 13. Offensive rebounds, he posted five of those, continues to be one of the better offensive rebounders in all of the NBA. And P.J. Washington had a nice outing, 19 points, three of five from three-point land. You did have Dennis Smith Jr. go out of this one 11 minutes played for dsj two points so still battling that ankle injury what did you make of the charlotte hornets performance getting that win against philadelphia on wednesday well i thought they were certainly flirting with being a major disappointment uh, in that game as you said getting down as much as 13 in that basketball game and i thought oh here we go to hornets not taking this team seriously and it's going to cost them got up in that 25 assist mark would you like to see uh, three-point percentage was still super low, and that free-throw percentage needs to get up. But the Hornets just, they attacked the paint. They outscored Philly in the paint 72-54. to 54. And so that was the recipe for a win, along with just some grit. Sometimes you just need some grit. Did you hear my voice when I said, I said grit? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But some gravel uh, on that. Gravel, yeah. Mm. Yeah, okay. That's you know what I'm saying? Sometimes you need a little bit of that. And the Hornets just said enough was enough because – Philadelphia was testing them. You know, they were definitely coming out and saying, hey, we're not going to lay down for you tonight if that's what you thought. Guys came out there and played. I mean, they gave up 22 to Shake Milton and 20 to DeAnthony Milton. And, um, you know, Tobias Harris, mediocre Harris was out there, you know, giving them 19 points, you know, per usual. But um, so, yeah. Tobias is a Hornets killer. That That's one of the guys that usually will just destroy them. He did it with the Pistons. Did it with the Clippers. I think it was crazy when he hit a game winner against the Hornets for the Clippers, then gets traded to Philadelphia <laughs> like the next day. And of course, all Hornets fans are like, great, you couldn't have traded him just one day earlier so the Hornets could get that win. But he is a noted Hornets killer. Well, I'm sure the 76 is probably wish that he played the Hornets every night then because he doesn't they really do. do much else besides that. But uh, yeah, and then... It- <laughs> And then it helped the Hornets that, you know, Philly shot 23% from three as well. And so, you know, they got a good win. That's what they needed. If they hadn't won this game, what do we think if they don't win that? I mean, yeah, it's bad. I Um, mean, good Lord. Well, Minnesota, too. Minnesota's a a pretty good regular season team. We know about what Minnesota has on their roster after trading for Rudy Gobert. So that would also, that'd be unfortunate 
with wanting to see the Anthony Edwards Lamelo Ball rivalry, if that is even a thing, you have mm-hmm. the Edwards first overall pick, same draft. Lamelo's taken third. Mm-hmm. Lamelo starts off real hot, winning every single Rookie of the Month award, and then gets hurt. Eventually, Anthony Edwards started to close the gap a little bit at the end of that season. Tyrese Halliburton also for Indiana, a part of that draft taken later, but looks like an absolute beast the way he's playing with the Pacers. Mm-hmm. Looking at the rotation here, Wes, I thought it was interesting to continue to see Kai Jones out there on the floor. Yeah. Kai Jones got eight minutes. Nick Richards got 21 minutes. Nick Richards put up the double-double, as I mentioned. Five of ten from the field, I thought played really well against Philly. And Kai Jones continues to impress Hits both of the field goals that he attempted in this game. Four points for Kai Jones was a plus 10 in the plus minus column. A couple of bench guys actually outperformed what the starters did once they entered the game. What do you make of the ceilings between Kai Jones, Nick Richards, the guy that should be getting more minutes now and maybe in the future who you think has that star potential? Oh, I definitely would say Kai Jones has the star potential just as far as what he can bring the oohs and the ahs because that's what we like. We talk about the optics of things all the time, that dunk that he had that I talked about a lot. And he just has plays where you're just in awe of a man at 6'11 that can run and jump like he can. But as Coach Clifford said to us earlier this week, that he's starting to get it with the way that he practices and the things that he's been doing with the limited minutes that he's been getting. It seems like it's starting to stick in uh, because or sink in because you look at his last three games He's been plus 10, plus 7, plus 10. So the Hornets have been doing good things on the court where you look at Nick Richards' last game and, uh, you know, he was plus 10 against Indiana, negative 2 against Cleveland, negative 5 against Washington, and plus 11 the other night. I think that, you know, Nick Richards is the classic guy where he's going to be a good prospect to where he's just going to plateau. I think he won't get much better than what he is right now just because his game shows that. He plays a very methodical Power game in the paint. He's really going to hurt you from 10 feet and in. Um, can he develop a jump shot? That will be the next step in his development. But Kai, you know, he's shown a propensity to like to shoot the three, which tells me that that's something that he works at. But the athleticism and the different things like that, if he can just put it together from a basketball IQ standpoint, put on a few more pounds, eat a couple more plates at Thanksgiving, you know, and a couple more plates at a lot of his meals, period. I think he can really turn out to be something. No question it's the star potential for Kai that makes him intriguing. That's why you traded up for him. Yeah. Because you realize, okay, this is not someone that's going to help us win basketball games right now. But down the road, if he figures it out, nobody has that body. Nobody has that athleticism. Mm-hmm. He can handle it well enough at that size and he can certainly jump out of the gym so the star potential is there for kai jones if he can figure it all out with nick richards i don't think we'll really ever see star potential now at that center at that center spot he can certainly do some nice things for you you're just hoping that nick richards can be a starter and i you're hoping that from kai jones but you're also hoping he can reach another level with all of the skill sets that he can bring you but yeah i would totally agree i think nick richards is the guy that you feel comfortable with more right now. Mm-hmm. And then maybe down the line, Kai Jones can be that guy. Now, they did win this game against Philly. Can they do it against Minnesota tonight? Here's Steve Clifford talking about how hopefully that game against Philly was a turning point for them. Well, maybe it's a starting point. I mean, I'll go back to, like I said, when I was here before, the years where, you know, we played big games at the end of the year and they were great. The playoff series, they were great. So I think, you know, if we play well, they'll come. We have great fans and 
you know, we have to give them a product to come and, and watch. You do have to do that. And I don't know if they're going to be able to put together a string of victories, uh, especially with the Minnesota Timberwolves playing tonight. If you click on this game and you look at the line for the Charlotte Hornets, it's going to be them being listed as a plus five. Minnesota, they're five-point favorites in this mm-hmm. one, which isn't that bad, especially with them being at home. And Timberwolves, they're 10-8 and eight on the season. If you look at what they've done lately, they've won five straight games. Yeah. They beat Cleveland. They beat Orlando. They beat Philly. All of those games on the road, by the way. They beat Miami 105-101, to and they're coming off a win on the road against the Pacers 115-101. to They're really starting to put it together, and they were struggling mightily so in the middle of the season that's already happened. They only won one game. That was against the Rockets, but they lost to San Antonio, Phoenix, New York. They lost to Phoenix again. So when you look at Minnesota, they seem to be figuring it out. They're very big. Charlotte Hornets kryptonite is big players on the other side because their starting centers are Nick Richards, Mason Plumlee, Mm -hmm. even Kai Jones. Those are the guys that are getting into the rotation. Minnesota seems to be a very bad matchup for them. Oh, very bad matchup. And we know uh, you're talking about a killer of a team. Uh, I still remember what Carl Anthony Towns came through here and did last year. So uh, they've got some guys because, you know, he's going to draw out the Hornets' bigs because we know he likes to shoot the three. So that's going to be tough. And then Anthony Edwards, last year when he came to Charlotte, uh, he did not finish the ball game. So we know that he's going to be looking to put on a show tonight. And this is a team that is, uh, you know, just getting confidence. I mean, look at Carl Anthony Towns' averages against the Hornets. He averages 25, 12, and 3. And so, uh, and then Anthony Edwards, his numbers are a little low on the Hornets, 15, 5, and 2. But um, this is a team that right now is playing with a lot of confidence. And you know when they look at the schedule and they see the Hornets, they're, they're chomping at the bit to come in here and, and, and finish. I don't know if this is the end of their road trip, but uh, you know I'm sure they want to finish strong and keep it going since they've been on a win streak as they have been. They've been East Coasting. Yeah, they, they have been. When you look at what Minnesota has done, I mean, especially against the Pacers too, you look at the scoring they put up. Here are the numbers from them. Jaden McDaniels, Jalen McDaniels' brother, went 8 of 11 in 30 minutes. 9 of 11 was Rudy Gobert. 8 of 11 for Carl Anthony Towns. 7 of 10 for D'Angelo Russell. And Anthony Edwards had the worst shooting night among all the starters, and he shot 50% from the field, 60% from three. Mm-hmm. It was the worst shooting night for any of the members of the Minnesota Timberwolves. And that's the thing is that they've been really figuring out their scoring ability, which really hurts for Charlotte because they're going to be missing Dennis Smith Jr. Defensively has been excellent this season. Uh, Here's Steve Clifford on DSJ's injury. Some of these guys, he's one of them, they sprain their ankles so much, you know, that they bounce back quickly, and that's what we have to hope for. So I'm hoping that he can bounce back quickly as well. I'm looking at a Hornets injury report, trying to figure out if they expect him to play. They're going to tip off again in just a couple, uh, two and a half hours. So right now, Dennis Smith Jr., he's not going to play in this one. Gordon Hayward still day to day, but Gordon Hayward had been able to play. LaMelo is also going to be out. The backcourt again here, Wes, it's a struggle. I mean, the backcourt, you're going to have to rely on Terry Rozier, Teo Maladon, who's given them good minutes, but I just don't know how consistently you can rely on backcourt players at the caliber in which the Hornets are putting them out there on the court right now. Yeah, not at all. And you talk about this Minnesota team coming in here fourth in the NBA and pace. So they want to get up and down the court. That doesn't bode well for a uh, you know Hornets team that's getting healthy, but still a lot of guys need to play a lot of minutes that they're still not uh, used to yet. 
and with the Hornets struggling as they have. We talk about it all the time, but the Hornets dead last in the NBA in offensive rating. And uh, this is a Minnesota Timberwolves team that can put the ball in the basket. I mean, they're not tearing the world up. They're 14th in rating. But we know, like I said, that they've been on a streak. So they're going to need a lot of guys to step up tonight, especially without the Hall of Famer Dennis Smith out there. Uh, so we know that <laughs> they're going to be missing him on defense because they could probably use him at times on a guy like an Anthony Edwards and things like yeah. that. So it's going to be an all-hands-on-deck effort. We'll see if the Hornets uh, do indeed come with it tonight. So only a couple of games for professional Charlotte sports teams this weekend. You have the one for Carolina mm-hmm. as the Panthers play every weekend against Denver. Yes. Charlotte only has the one game against Minnesota. More likely to get a win. Charlotte Hornets tonight against Minnesota or Carolina on Sunday against Denver? I would say Carolina, uh, the Panthers, because of their ineptitude on offense on the Denver side. Russ is just out here looking washed. And uh, so I think the Panthers have more of a chance. I think that Panthers-Broncos is going to be a defensive game. Well, I do too. And, and switching gears to one Hall of Famer to another, Dennis Smith Jr., a guy that I really like for Charlotte. <laughs> Let's go to J.C. Horn. You brought this up yeah. last week, and I know you want to talk about two guys that were drafted back-to-back. J.C. Horn was the first player taken, uh, taken in that NFL draft just a couple of years ago, and Patrick Sertan was the guy right after him. So Denver took a corner nine. J.C. Horn was the eighth overall selection. Pat Sertan has been excellent for the Denver Broncos. I think J.C. Horn's been very good. I'm not going to say that he's been as good as Patrick Sertan. That guy has been amazing since he's stepped onto an NFL field. And I know Pat Sertan is the guy you'd rather have if you compare the two right now. Yeah, I mean, Pat Sertan, he has everything that you're looking for. He's the guy that comes in. You know, he's the seventh-rated cornerback, uh, according to PFF. He's lived up to the expectations, the Bama pedigree uh, coming in, and he's been nothing but everything they've expected him to be. He makes big plays. He gets on guys, locks them in in coverage. He makes big plays with interceptions. So, yeah, I like uh, Patrick Sartain, but I always like comparing guys from different peer groups, you know, and just looking at guys that come in together and how they stack up when against each other because we know that they – look across the field at one another um, and and see, and they checking up on which, what each other is doing. Yeah, I, I mean, both guys, I, I think, have a lot of potential in this league. I do think J.C. Horn is at a detriment because of the injury that he suffered in week two where he missed the rest of the remainder of his, uh, or rest of the uh, rookie season that he played. Pat Sertan was able to really play quite a bit. Although, did Pat Sertan get hurt as well? His rookie year, I'm not sure if he he's did. Had a, he's had a few injuries, and okay. I'm going to give you credit. J.C. Horn definitely has a uh, much lower passer rating allowed. Yeah, look, it's he's good, right? Both of these guys, it's crazy to see the amount of talent coming out of corner, out of the corner position, the last few drafts. And there's a lot of really talented younger corners, and a lot of people would talk about how deep each of these drafts are at wide receiver. But I wonder if that's also kind of happening with corners, too. And I remember asking, I think it was Mark Schofield, who does a great job at evaluating NFL draft prospects. And we were talking about why NFL, why receivers coming out of the draft have been so good. There were three classes in a row where everybody was saying, oh, this class is just so deep. And he attributed a lot to the seven-on-seven leagues there are. There's a lot more growing out there. And I wonder if that's also helping cornerbacks, too. 
So if it doesn't work out for a wide receiver because they can't catch or just don't run routes well enough, whatever, you use that athleticism on the other side, and boom, you're starting to cook quite a bit because you're the the cornerback class, the young guys that come in, and Sauce Gardner is like graded out as the best corner in the league right yeah. now, and he's a rookie mm-hmm. coming into the Jets organization. We can joke about JC, but JC is at the very worst a good cornerback in the league. Pat mm-hmm. Sertan is going to be one of the guys that you view as a Pro Bowler every single year, even a Jair Alexander, right? Somebody that is a younger player, but somebody that is also a North Carolina native. Very good. Lots of young corners are extremely talented right now, and I wonder if it's the seven-on-seven drills affecting wide receivers as well as the defensive uh, side of it. Yeah, I think so. They get so many repetitions, and like you say, you talk about the seven-on-sevens, you talk about that, but then you see when you watch these workout videos, the cornerbacks are going and working out with these wide receivers, and they're getting lots of reps going against these guys. And it's such a passing league that these guys get so many uh, repetitions, man, that you know, you're just getting more and more uh, quality corners. Yeah, you really are. Wide receivers and corners, very talented coming out of the draft classes the last couple of years. Last Fitty Flash of the day. What you got for us, Fitty, before we go to the last segment? We got some World Cup updates for you guys. Right now, U.S. and England, they're nearing the end of the first half. It's still nil-nil like it usually is <laughs> in the beautiful game, as they say. But uh, some other things around uh, their group stage today, Iran beat Wales 2 nothing, And, of course, America tied with Wales earlier in the week to get their first point. It was it was considered to be, you know, a a, a, a clear win for, for U.S. over Iran when they meet on Tuesday. But this does clear a pathway for the U.S. to advance out of the group stage if they can get three points today or even if they can draw today with England. And also some news for Brazil for my guy Wes Bryant. Neymar and Danilo, both uh, suffering with ankle injuries. They will miss Brazil's next World Cup match mm. with Switzerland. Yeah, why are you a Brazil fan again? All man, from you FIFA? know, FIFA Street, you know, they have great <laughs> players. You know, I love it. I love their players, and they're all one name. And, you know, if I was playing, I'd be Wesley. Did you see Neymar's ankle <laughs> injury by chance? I have not. I did not see it. Just I, Google Neymar or, or or go to Twitter and and, go, and search his ankle injury. I, I get a little squeamish with some of that stuff, well, though, really? man. I'm not really trying to see that. Well, is he it, was in tears on the bench. Yeah. Is it really gross? Is no, it like Paul George level? Ankle. Like, like, like you just see his, his, oh. shoe, his shoe off and his ankle yeah. visible. Oh, oh, that's not good. Yeah, you it, seeing that, Wes? Look he at might that be, thing. He might like be a done. bowling ball. Is yeah, it worse might. than Gordon Hayward when they had the camera on him and it was turned 180 degrees the other way? It's just his ankle. Like, no, you it's not that. It injury. just looks like a very swollen ankle, man. But, yeah, it doesn't look like he's going to be back so, so anytime soon. Is, so it's swollen is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah gotcha. unlike you. Okay. Am I not swollen? No. I appreciate well, that. Well, you call Big Bird and Link Ass. <laughs> that was weak. <laughs> What? You're you're not swollen. You're no, not swollen, bro. That's a great, great joke by Fitty. I hope he has some more great ones in the last segment of Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The last segment of Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ about to hand it off to the Kyle Bailey show. Also Hornets pregame coming at you at 4 p.m. with a Hornets tip 
at 5 o'clock here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You can give us your final thoughts on the show, 704-570-9610. That is the Garage Door Guru text line. Do you want to talk about what's on tap? It's brought to you by Twin Peaks. You can join our e-club to stay up to date on all things Twin Peaks and score free stuff. Visit TwinPeaksRestaurant.com slash Peaks-Club. Hornets host the Timberwolves tonight at 5. We were just talking about it in the last segment. We both think Minnesota probably gets the victory, even if they're not a huge favorite against Charlotte. We do think it's a bad matchup. A lot of size Minnesota brings to the table. They're on a five-game winning streak. Even if the Hornets stop the bleeding against Philly their last time out, you do have Carl Anthony Towns. Maybe the best shooting big man of all time. Rudy Gobert is one of the better defenders in NBA history at the big man spot, winning multiple defensive players of the year. They're starting to figure each other out as the season goes on, having won those five straight and doing a lot of their damage on the road. Lots stacking up against the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. You got our opinion on it. Fiddy, do you think the Charlotte Hornets can play spoiler to Minnesota in the way they're playing right now? No, I don't. I think you look at the size that they got inside with Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. You factor in Anthony Edwards on the perimeter. That's just too much, you know, size and talent and length on the court. I don't think this game will be close. I think the T-Wolves big over the Hornets. Okay, so we got a couple final takes. You had one more thing to say on the I Hornets? was going to say this game does have Queen City Magic potential. Where everything is stacked up against them and they find a way to pull one out that we don't think. Would love to see it. That would be fantastic. <laughs> if, if the Hornets can win this one, uh, I think that would go a pretty long way, given the losing ways of Charlotte to start off the season. Yes. Let's get quickly to this day in sports history because I want to have a few final takes predicting North Carolina NC State in just a couple of hours, really not even a couple, just one more hour, 3.30 kickoff for North Carolina NC State. What happened on this day in sports history? Well, uh, Walker, you and I were kind of nerding out over our love for radio in the pre-show today. And today was a in sports history was a pretty big day for sports broadcasting. As on this day in 1921, the first play-by-play broadcast of a football game was aired in College Station via a amateur radio station. That game took place between longtime rivals, the University of Texas and Texas A&M. No black people were in that game say, or what, listening. What, were were wow. they calling any black people's names in that game None, in 1921? Or listening to that in 1921, uh, okay. I would probably say. Okay, and then, I, I like the black people check-in with Wes at yes, the end of these. Yes, these yes. are always great. All right, 1965, <laughs> probably a few. Here we go. What happened in 1965? Now, on this day in 1965, the first color broadcast of an NFL game aired on CBS. The Detroit Lions and the then Baltimore Colts would play to a 24-24 tie. Yeah, what a bad one for the first colored broadcast. Right? Didn't even get a clear winner or loser. Yeah, didn't even do that. All right, final takes for the day. Let's go around. Let's start with the Carolina Panthers. Final score, who wins the game? I'll go first. I do think Denver finds a way to win. I don't think it's going to be very high scoring. I think both these offenses are not going to be good. Sam Darnold. It's going to be a struggle, I think, against this defense yeah. and somebody that's playing his first NFL game in quite some time. Somebody that wasn't supposed to be playing this year if Baker Mayfield would have just done a lot better at the start of the season. I think the Denver Broncos win. I think it's 17-10. to 10. Denver takes home the victory. What say you on this game happening Sunday, Wes? Broncos 12-6. Okay, even lower scoring than me. This is going to be a fun game to watch. What do you think, Fiddy? I actually got Carolina winning this game. Okay. They're at home. Edgy Sam Darnold makes his first appearance in 2022. This Panther team at home under Steve Wilkes, they look different. I got Carolina 17-14 over washed-up Russ and the Broncos. 
Let's start right back with you. I know we talked about it a little bit earlier in the show. I know you think North Carolina wins. What do you think the score will be between the Heels and the Wolfpack come 3.30 at the end of that game? I got Heels 28-24 over Moo Yu. <laughs> what do you, Wes, what was the score you went with earlier? Uh, I'm going to go with, oh, man, I forgot what I went with earlier. It's but okay. I'm you come can change it if you score. want to. This is uh, your final take. Yeah, I'm going to go 31-20 UNC. Okay. I think and, that was what I said. Well, you had the bigger margin of victory for the Heels. Yeah. I still think it's going to be closer. I expect the Tar Heels to win. I think it'll be 34. I think NC State puts up 27 points. Well, wow. you know, just to note, they do not have Jack Chambers in this game. It'll be... Ben, or, or they don't have MJ, MJ Morris. It's going to be Ben Finley. He and was someone. awful. Yeah. It's not good either way. So if this Tar Heel defense gives up 27 to that NC State offense, I don't want to see any defensive <laughs> coach back on the sidelines next year, including Gene Chizik. What about Florida State, Florida, another game taking place tonight? Wes, we'll go with you first on this one. Do you think the Seminoles get this victory over Anthony Richardson and company? Uh, I'm going to go FSU 27-17 to 17 over Florida. What you think, Fitty? I got the Knowles because Jordan Travis is playing on a different level right now. Give me Florida State over Florida. I'm going to go with Florida State to win as well, and uh, that'll be it for the final takes here looking at some of these games that are going to be weird especially with florida and florida state what about this weekend as we kind of look at the slate for the acc college football weekend what is just one intriguing matchup you can go not even acc go all across the board well what let's is, go to the big game yeah yeah, let, yeah so what yeah so what, what do you think about um michigan ohio state some of the other ones all right uh i will start it out i will say i think ohio state wins 38 to 30, 38, 30. <laughs> so it's going to be high scoring, mm. kind of close, but Ohio yeah, State 38, gets it 30. done. What do you think, Fitty? I have beat the drum all season long for Jim Harbaugh and Michigan. Blake Corum is not going to be 100%, but to be a legend at Michigan, you got some do some legendary type of things. J.J. McCarthy makes the two or three throws down the field he has to make. Give me Michigan back-to-back -back years over the Ohio State 27-24. Two, three matchup between those two teams. Ohio State is hosting. I eventually think the Buckeyes will win. I think it will be a field goal type game though. Give me 31-28. Ohio State ekes out a very, very close one. Final one here in the local area. Clemson hosting South Carolina. Wes, you talked about Queen City magic. South Carolina gave us some Spencer Rattler magic in this last contest against Tennessee. Can South Carolina provide that magic once again against the Tigers on the road. I go Clemson beating the cupcakes of the SEC 34 <laughs> to 17. Where are you going, Fitty? I think Clemson smells blood in the water. They still have college football playoff hopes on the line in this game. That, that Clemson defense is not as bad as the one that Tennessee put out there last weekend. Give me the Tigers 28-14. In the, Palme in, the, in the battle for the Palmetto Bowl. So a couple of touchdowns you go with there. I totally agree with you. I think it'll be a couple touchdown games between Clemson and South Carolina. That'll do it for a holiday version, Black Friday version of Wes and Walker. You can catch the Kyle Bailey Show coming up next for one hour. Then it's Hornets pregame until tip for the Hornets at 5 o'clock against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Keep listening on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.